Thanksgiving's coming up. And the message today, I just titled it 1 Corinthians 15:57, which says, But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In his book, Folk Psalms of Faith, Pastor Ray Steadman tells of an experience Pastor Harry Ironside had in a crowded restaurant. Just as Ironside was about to begin his meal, a man approached and asked if he could join him. Ironside invited him to have a seat. Then, as was his custom, Ironside bowed his head in prayer. When he opened his eyes, the other man asked, Do you have a headache? Ironside replied, No, I don't. The other man asked, Well, is there something wrong with your food? And Ironside replied, No, I was simply thanking God as I always do before I eat. The man then said, Oh, you're one of those, are you? Well, I want you to know I never give thanks. I earn my money by the sweat of my brow, and I don't have to give thanks to anybody when I eat. I just start right in. And Ironside replied, Yes, you're just like my dog. That's what he does too. Turn to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. Can't read this one enough. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. Take that, evolution. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. Thanksgiving week is beginning. And we need to give thanks to the one who so richly deserves it. Jesus Christ, our Savior, God Almighty, our Father, who has given us not only earthly life, love, and happiness, but also immortal heavenly life with Him. And we also need to recall that our forefathers in this country gave God all of the praise and thanks. That thanksgiving was a day devoted to God for the abundant blessing bestowed upon our great country. The first American Thanksgiving didn't occur in 1621 with some pilgrims and some uh, friendly Native Americans. It actually took place in Virginia more than 11 years earlier and it wasn't a feast. The winter of 1610 at Jamestown had reduced a group of 409 settlers to 60. The survivors prayed for help without knowing when or how it might come. When help arrived in the form of a ship filled with food and supplies from England, a prayer meeting was held to give thanks to God. Psalm 107.1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. We have been delivered out of bondage, even in the most dire of circumstances, by the grace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we must honor God by giving Him thanks, not just on Thanksgiving, but in every day of our lives. Every day should be Thanksgiving. Through the good and bad times. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. All circumstances mean all circumstances. In 1789, following the proclamation issued by President George Washington, America celebrated its first Listen to the title, Day of Thanksgiving to God under its new constitution. That same year, the Protestant Episcopal Church, of which President Washington was a member, announced that the first Thursday in November would become its regular day of giving thanks. Uh, Quote, unless another day be appointed by civil authorities. Yet despite these early national proclamations, official Thanksgiving observances usually occurred only at the state level. And in that first national Thanksgiving proclamation, President George Washington wrote this, Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. Whereas both the houses of Congress have by their joint committee, requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now therefore, I do recommend next to be devoted by the people of the states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for his kind care and protection of the people of this country. Wow. If only we were so humble and submissive now. Turn to Psalm 145. Psalm 145. It says, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts. And I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are all over his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power. To make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord upholds all who fall and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. 
The Lord is righteous in all his ways, gracious in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He also will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh shall bless his holy name forever and ever. That's beautiful. And that's the attitude of thanks we should have. Now, Thanksgiving Day, much of the credit for the adoption of the annual Thanksgiving Day celebration may be attributed to Mrs. Sarah Joseph Hale. For 30 years, she promoted the idea of a national Thanksgiving Day, contacting president after president until President Abraham Lincoln responded in 1863 by setting aside the last Thursday of November as a national day of Thanksgiving. Lincoln's original 1863 Thanksgiving proclamation came, spiritually speaking, at a pivotal point in his life. During the first week of July of that year, the Battle of Gettysburg occurred, resulting in the loss of some 60,000 American lives. Four months later, in November, Lincoln delivered his famous Gettysburg Address. It was while Lincoln was walking among the thousands of graves there at Gettysburg that he committed his life to Christ. As he explained to a friend, quote, When I left Springfield to assume the presidency, I asked the people to pray for me. I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. And I want to read you Lincoln's 1863 Thanksgiving proclamation to show people how we should appreciate Thanksgiving. Lincoln wrote, the year that is drawing toward its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful years and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source, capital S, from which they come. Others have been added which are of so extraordinary in nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and even soften the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever watchful providence of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations, order has been maintained, the laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict, while that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union." Needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the field of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements, and the mines, as well of iron and coal as of precious metals, have yielded even more abundantly than therefore. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege, and the battlefield in the country. Rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. No human counsel has delivered, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. 
They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all those who have become widows orphans mourners or sufferers in the civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace harmony tranquility and union in testimony whereof I have here set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed. Abraham Lincoln. This was not just a letter to a nation. It was also a prayer to God by our president on behalf of the American people. How far we have fallen as a nation. So far. Even in the rage of a civil war to split this country in two, the American people, including the president, looked to God with prayers of healing, forgiveness, and mercy. They knew that God was working things for his greater good, and we of the past few generations have truly reaped the benefits of that. And what has happened? We've acted like spoiled children. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Inexpressible. Psalm 106 one says, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. But how much has this country changed for the worse in the past 224 years? America has forgotten where we came from and by whom we are blessed and protected by. And now they're rewriting history books to say that some of our founders and great presidents were not Christians. i got proof that two are right there. We are a Christian nation. I don't care what anybody says. And the USA has been the greatest witness for Christ that the world has ever known. That's why we're blessed. That's why we're still here. That's why God hasn't totally lifted His hand off of us yet. Because there's still believers in His Son here. Isaiah 12, 4-5 says, And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, Make known His deeds among the peoples, and proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for He has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. We used to do that. Now we give the world filth and sinful living instead of Jesus Christ. We stand right here turning our backs on God, who gave us the greatest country in the history of the world. We must repent as a nation. We must turn back to God and seek His merciful forgiveness. We must give thanks to the One who given His all to us. We have to cry out to God to heal us as a nation. We have to submit and give our lives to Jesus Christ who is our beautiful Redeemer. We don't want to submit. We want to do what we want to do. 
Psalm 116, 12 through 13 says, What shall I render to the Lord for all His benefits towards me? I will take up the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. We are justified and sanctified by Him and through Him. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And even if only a remnant of true believers remains in this nation, that remnant must proclaim the salvation with the power and faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Even if all others we know forsake Christ, we must stand in the balance and thank and praise Him at all costs. No matter what. Thanksgiving is about God. Thanksgiving as a word can only be attributed to God because all things are done by Him and for Him. But as a nation, we've become like the ungrateful lepers in Luke 17. Turn there, please. Luke 17, 11 through 19. Luke 17, 11 through 19. Now it happened as He went to Jerusalem that He passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as He entered a certain village... There met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that they went. They were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Why did only one cleansed leper return to thank Jesus? I'm going to read you the following nine suggested reasons why the nine did not return. C.L. Brown theorized and I think you guys will be able to relate a lot of people with these answers. One, waited to see if the cure was real. One, waited to see if it would last. One, said he would see Jesus later and thank him then. One, decided that he had never had leprosy. One, said he would have gotten well anyway. One gave the glory to the priests. One said, oh well, Jesus didn't really do anything. One said, any rabbi could have done it. And one said, I was already much improved. We have to give credit where credit is due. Give thanks to God and appreciate your life. Psalm 105.1 says, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. There was a 12-year-old boy named David who was born without an immune system. He underwent a bone marrow transplant in order to correct the deficiency. Up to that point, he had spent his entire life in a plastic bubble in order to prevent exposure to common germs, bacteria, and viruses that could kill him. He lived without ever knowing human contact. When asked what he'd like to do if and when released from his protective bubble, he replied, I want to walk barefoot on the grass and touch my mother's hand. 
I could not imagine. I'm a very affectionate person. I could not imagine not being able to kiss my wife or to touch her or to hold her or to hug my children and kiss them. And all this boy wanted was to walk on the grass and touch his mother's hand. Ephesians 5.20 says, Give me thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, because we're mortal in these temporal bodies, we should give thanks every day that we're one day closer to Jesus. Every day. That's one day closer. Be happy. You're breaking down, so what? you got a brand new model waiting for you in heaven. That's unbreakable. 1 Chronicles 29.13 says, And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Give thanks to God that you can openly worship Him and not have to be in fear of persecution or death for it here. Not yet, anyway. Be thankful that you can have His glorious Holy Spirit residing in you. What a gift that is. Give thanks that even when you quench the Holy Spirit, He gives us the ability to ask for forgiveness and stand right with Him once again. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. His mercies never end. His grace never ends. Be thankful that you live in this great nation and that we're still free. Thank God for His mercy. Thank Him for His grace. Thank God for Jesus Christ, His Son. Psalm 95.2 says, Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. How quickly we forget these things. Praise Him, praise Him, glorify Him, worship Him, and honor Him always. Colossians 3.15 says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Psalm 30.12 says, That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Give thanks to God who loves you. That forgives you and saves you. Give God thanks for His Son Jesus Christ who died for you. Give thanks to God for the Holy Spirit who guides you, comforts you, and teaches you the ways of Jesus Christ. Give thanks to God for the family that you so cherish. Give thanks to God for the roof over your head, the money you have, the job you have, the food you eat. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Thankfulness to God is a very reoccurring theme in Scripture. We owe Him that thanks. We should also give God thanks for the trials that He is allowing us to go through is to refine you by holy fire. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks to Him that you have an eternal home with Him in heaven. Psalm 24 says, May He grant you your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. Give thanks to God that you can pray to Him and seek His wisdom for your life. Colossians 4.2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Give thanks to God in all things. All things. 
Colossians 3:15-17 says, "And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful." Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. There was a blind boy that sat on the steps of a building with a hat by his feet. He held up a sign which said, I am blind, please help. And there were only a few coins in the hat. A man was walking by. He took a few coins from his pocket and dropped them in the hat. But then he took the sign, turned it around, and wrote some words. He put the sign back so that everyone who walked by would see the new words. And then soon the hat began to fill up. A lot more people were giving money to the blind boy. And that afternoon the man who had changed the sign came to see how things were. The boy recognized his footsteps and asked, Were you the one who changed my sign this morning? What did you write? The boy asked. The man said, I only wrote the truth. I said what you said, but in a different way. He said, I wrote, today is a beautiful day, but I cannot see it. Ecclesiastes 7.14 says, In the days of prosperity be joyful, and in the day of adversity consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. We don't have to hear to know Jesus. We don't have to see to know Jesus. We don't have to talk to know Jesus. If we have none of those capacities, it's written on our heart. The Holy Spirit's always with you no matter what. I've read people writing things lately about how Thanksgiving has lost its luster and its meaning. True, it has. But the problem is, is they get the meaning wrong. You know, they talk about how it was changed from family time and getting together with one another, enjoying football, food, etc. They say now it's turned into run here, run there, house to house, and getting ready for Black Friday and now even Thanksgiving Day sales. There's, there's truth in that statement. But where's God? Where's the fellowship with your family before God, thanking God who supplies all that we have? Where's the praise that is to be heaped upon our benevolent Creator? Who created the food that we eat? Who created the family that we love? Do you pray to Him and praise Him and thank Him enough? I don't. Do you? Psalm 717 says, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to His righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. It's all due to Him. And we should be obliged and obedient and thankful enough to give it all to Him. No matter what the day brings. Our families, our spouses, our children should all be dedicated to the Lord. And we should be thankful that He gave them to us in this life. Scottish minister Alexander White was known for his uplifting prayers in the pulpit. He always found something for which to be grateful. One Sunday morning, the weather was so gloomy that one church member thought to himself, certainly the preacher won't think of anything for which to thank the Lord on a wretched day like this. Much to his surprise, however, White began by praying, We thank thee, O God, that it is not always like this, nor will our lives be 
isn't it amazing how God would answer somebody's thought through someone else? And he probably felt like a fool for thinking that. And I'm sure we've all done that in one sense or another. In, in any day, circumstances, joy, pain, sorrow, we are to thank him all because Christ gave his all. Christ gave all because he wants us to love him. And we can never be thankful enough, but we have to give thanks with all that we have. Psalm 118.28 says, You are my God and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will worship you. It's not about turkey, pumpkin pie, football, or shopping. It's about thanksgiving to the creator of the universe and his uncountable blessings that he has granted upon mankind. Do you thank him every day for saving you? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You did nothing for this grace. So all thanks is to be given to God alone and to no one or nothing else. Let me read one more story before I close. It is gratitude that prompted an old man to visit an old broken pier on the eastern seacoast of Florida. Every Friday night until his death in 1973, he would return walking slowly and slightly stooped with a large bucket of shrimp. The seagulls would flock to this old man and he would feed them from his bucket. Now many years before, in October 1942, Captain Eddie Rickenbacker was on a mission in a B-17 to deliver an important message to General Douglas MacArthur in New Guinea. But there was an unexpected detour which would hurl Captain Eddie into the most harrowing adventure of his life. Somewhere over the South Pacific, the Flying Fortress became lost beyond the reach of radio. Fuel ran dangerously low, so the men ditched their plane into the ocean. For nearly a month, Captain Eddie and his companions would fight the water, the weather, and the scorching sun. They spent many sleepless nights recoiling as giant sharks rammed their rafts. The largest raft was nine by five. The biggest shark was ten feet long. But of all their enemies at sea, one proved most formidable, and that was starvation. Eight days out, their rations were long gone or destroyed by the salt water. It would take a miracle to sustain them. And a miracle occurred. In Captain Eddie's own words, Cherry, that was the B-17 pilot, Captain William Cherry, read the service that afternoon and we finished with a prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise. There was some talk, but it tapered off in the oppressive heat. With my hat pulled down over my eyes to keep out some of the glare, I dozed off. Something landed on my head. I knew that it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew, I just knew everyone else knew too. No one said a word, but peering out from under my hat brim without moving my head, I could see the expression on their faces. They were staring at that gull. The gull meant food. If I could catch it. And the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the gull. Its flesh was eaten. Its intestines were used for bait to catch fish. The survivors were sustained and their hopes renewed because a lone seagull, uncharacteristically hundreds of miles from land, offered itself as a sacrifice. You know that Captain Eddie made it and that he never forgot because every Friday evening about sunset, on a lonely stretch along the eastern Florida seacoast, you can see an old man walking, uh, white-haired, bushy-eyebrowed, 
slightly bent, his bucket filled with shrimp, was to feed the seagulls, to remember that one which on a long day past gave itself without a struggle. He was thankful for the one sacrifice sent from God to save them. So should we be. Thanksgiving should be a time where we say, I am most thankful because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life.